Well, good morning, and again, thanks for being here as we wrap up our series, Faith Heroes. It's been great to partner with Berean Bible Church, and that was just a fantastic experience doing that with them. Uh, this morning, we wrap up with Gideon, and welcome to those joining us on the line. Special welcome to Adam and Maya. I know they're in a hospital room right now, and continue to pray for Adam as he recovers. Uh, last night was a good night of sleep, but then when he woke up this morning, he was just sick with all the medicine his system is on. So please continue to be praying for him as they had open-heart surgery on Friday. So um, be thinking of them, be praying for them. So we've been uh, sharing this series, and today we're going to wrap things up by looking at Gideon. And all along the way, we've been looking at this idea of do I measure up? Am I inadequate? Uh, does my past hold me back? And these characters from the scriptures, these real-life people, almost 4,000 years ago, uh, dealt with all those kinds of things. And that's very similar. You and I can feel the same way. We can say, am I worthy? Am I in the right place? Uh, I feel inadequate. Uh, I feel like my, my history and my life just doesn't measure up. So, so I'm kind of stuck. And uh, it can stop us. It can take us, stop us from taking that first step into um, what it means to follow Christ. Um, or it can cause us to kind of get stagnant. Or then on the other side, sometimes we think we're plenty adequate and we coast. And I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest takeaway from being away for the last few weeks is that uh, where is the next chapter of life in my heart, in my spirit? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to take next steps? So all of us need to be growing in this relationship with God and uh, we're not to be stagnant. So again, some of us... Uh, feel that uh, there's things in our past or, or we're just not good enough yet to say yes to Christ. And there's others of us who may think we've arrived a little bit, but then we still look back uh, because obviously we are not perfect and it just becomes like a wall. Uh, we don't break through. We're going to see that with Gideon. Gideon's response, as Bill already hinted, is who am I, uh, worthy warrior? And uh, it just it's just like that, that that's not me. Uh, because some of us feel like this. We feel like uh, this guy... A mistake, it could be that your purpose of your life is to only to serve as a warning to others. So we go, man, I don't have anything to offer, but if you look at my life, this is the way not to go. And we can feel that way because we can feel like we're just not perfect enough, just not right enough. And again, with our relationship, with serving, and again, there are things that uh, do need to be dealt with in our life, but uh, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect, and that reminds me of this family going to see Grandma, and uh, Dad wants them to be perfect, but it just not uh, seems to be happening. And remember, what are we not going to mention to Grandma? That Grandpa loves redheads, that Lizzie got a lower back tattoo, that you have trust issues. Mom, does it really have a headache every Sunday? The 2021 Toyota Highlander. Perfect for the not-so-perfect family. You know, that's... Some of you are getting that stage. You find, you know, the best place to find out secrets about somebody else's family is to go out in kid zone and be with those little kids. Just warning you. <laughs> They're not taking notes. But, uh, you know, those questions, right? Perfect family, not going to go see grandma. Perfect life. You know, how does that affect our relationship with God? I remember when I was, uh, oh, I don't know, probably seven or eight, and uh, we had a relative who was in the, in the House of Representatives in Alabama, and she set things up so we could go meet the governor, Governor Wallace at the time, 
And, uh, you know, give not all, there's some baggage there, right? So we go in there, and the first thing my mother says to me before we get in there is don't ask why he's in a wheelchair. Do not ask why he's in a wheelchair. And if you were familiar with the story, there was an assassination attempt. And so don't ask that. Don't ask that. Of course, as a little kid, that's all I can think about. I don't ask it, but I can still remember going, Wah! you know. And it's funny, we had our pictures with him, but I don't think that picture made it from the movie from Massachusetts to here. But anyway, you know, those questions and being perfect and all that kind of thing can really get in the way of our relationship with God. And we it's more on our side than his side. And so the real question we have to ask ourselves as we wrap up this series is, where are you? Where are you? Are you, are you holding back? Because you feel inadequate? You feel like there's just too much past? And once you get that cleaned up, then you'll take a step towards God. Maybe then you'll say yes to Christ. Maybe you've known Christ for a while, and you've hit like a speed bump, and you've just kind of stalled out. And you thought you were free from something, but you're not free from something, it seems. So what happened there, and I'm not worthy. And then some of us who have been walking with God for a long time, not all the years we've been known him, you know, stall out because we're like, what else is there? So so where are you? Well, we've taken a look at three other uh, sermons, uh, you know, and the characters there and what was going on there. And uh, again, today we're looking at uh, Gideon to see and to try to ask ourselves, where are we and how does Gideon's life touch our life? In Hebrews, we read, I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, and Samson, who through their faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice. In their weakness, their faith imparted power to them to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And we go, wow, that wouldn't it be great to be them? But the idea behind that is you and I have a faith that can make us strong if we said yes to Christ. We have a faith that can give us courage to move forward, and we're going to see that in the life of Gideon. Now, just a little background on Gideon. He is a judge, which is basically a leader of uh, Israel at the time. Sometimes it was regional. Sometimes it was uh, more than that. And in this time, after uh, Joshua, after they'd been delivered, after they had taken over the promised land, if you will, uh, things were really in turmoil. There would be these, these cycles where all of a sudden they would uh, walk away from God and that would get them into trouble. Then they'd get to their knees and God would raise up a leader, a judge, and he would uh, help protect them, get rid of the trouble. And then the minute the trouble subsided, it subsided and it seemed to be okay. And that judge maybe lived, maybe died. The minute his influence was gone, the whole nation would go back and keep doing these circles. And it's probably about 400 years this cycle just continues to take place. And there's this overall theme of everybody who's living in Judges. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So this is the world that Gideon lives in. And this is the world that we live in. It's, it's, it's more and more than ever. Sometimes when we had talked about some of the seven churches, and we're going to finish that up next week into the following weeks, but the idea of what, uh, what the, the churches just kind of like subside and, and just tolerate in their own lives and their actions, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and uh, that's hard. They weren't looking to God's standard. They weren't looking to what he says about things. 
So let's uh, jump right into Judges 6. I'm going to hit a couple of verses, a couple of passages, talk a little bit about it. I encourage you to start yourself sometime and read from Judges 6 right on into 8 uh, and just kind of get the whole story. But time, uh, we'll just hit what we can. All right, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. And they would just clean them out. And Israel couldn't stand against them. Some of us uh, are very tied into the agricultural world. Uh, some of us just watch it happening. But I don't think any of us could imagine growing our crops, growing our livestock, all that stuff, and then getting to the point where it's time to harvest and somebody comes in and just takes it all. And this was just going on and on and on. And finally, Israel said, well, you know, maybe there's something wrong in our lives. And so they called out to God. Now, some of us look at that moment and go, wow, that's, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, like, mess my life up, make all these bad decisions, and then call to God. I want to clean it up first and then call to God. But we can find we get stuck in that cycle. I had a friend, uh, he was getting married, and he had, had not said yes to Christ as of yet. And, uh, but he was uh, engaged in the life of the church. His wife-to-be was a Christ follower, and uh, I was meeting with him regularly, and finally one time I met with him, and he said, Dave, I'm just not good enough yet to say yes to Christ. I can't, I can't welcome God into my life because the condition of my life is horrible, and I don't want to use God. I'm like, that is a great, great sentiment. But all of us, in a sense, are using God. We all need forgiveness. There's not one of us that is right on our own that can earn our way in. So I appreciate, Mick, what you're thinking. I appreciate your heart on this. But you're never going to get to that point. And if you do get to that point where you think you've cleaned life up on your own, then you may never say yes to him after all. And so I went home. He went his way. And uh, a couple days later, he called me told me he had said yes to Christ. And that was probably probably been 20 years now. Now he's married, has a couple kids, and they are fully engaged with their faith. I'm not saying there hasn't been some ebbs and flows, because that happens to all of us, but that idea of getting to the end of our rope and saying, oh, I'm at the end of our rope, I need to get up a little higher before I reach out to God, uh, because I don't want to use God. A again, I, I think he appreciates that, but the minute you are there, he wants to hear from you and welcomes you and uh, takes you where you are at. So again, they would camp and ruin everything, take everything, take everything. And the, the Midianites, verse 6, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord. There was just nothing else they could do. And so that's what they did. And then we read, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of the Midian. He said of them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave them your, their land. And again, this is generations. 
I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And so because they hadn't listened to them, God wiped his hands of them and said, that's the end. No, that's not what he said. (laughs) Thankfully, thankfully that's not what he said. You've not listened to me, but maybe now you will listen to me. I'm a little embarrassed about this because I, at the same time, have said yes to Christ, and there's times where I don't listen to God, and I wait till I'm at the end of my rope. And then I say, re-engage listening to God. And I ask for forgiveness, and I say, Lord, I, I, I want to be listening to you even during the good times. I don't want to have to have bad times for that to always be getting my attention. I actually want to be able to zoom along in the good times. Life's not going to be perfect, but zoom along in the good times and actually stay close to you the way I stay close to you when I feel I'm at the end of my rope. And so again, for those of us who have said yes to him for a long time, we kind of grace along and it waits to some, the bottom drops out of some area of our life. So we see here that God will always meet us where we are. So awesome. Wherever you are, far from God, blown it in a huge way, little way, he will meet you where you are. And he delights to do that. He doesn't have an attitude when he does it. Like, ha ha, you know, now you're finally at the, I brought you to your knees and now, now listen up. No, he, he delights in doing that. Read Romans. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. We'll be remembering that as we celebrate communion while we are of no use whatever to him. In other words, we have nothing to offer him, and he still offers himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So God will meet you where you are. So, again, where are you? Three weeks of faith heroes. Where are you? Week number four. Back to Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, an Ophir that belonged to Joash the Abazite, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And we're going to see that Gideon didn't feel any of those things. He didn't feel like a mighty warrior. He didn't feel like God was with him. He felt like God had abandoned him. Yet God sees us where we can be. When God joins you where you're at, he sees what you and I can be. He sees what the fullness of a growing relationship with Christ at the age and stage of our faith can be. And he calls us mighty warrior, calls us mighty whatever, because he wants to see us take those steps forward. Not so he can get something. His his happiness isn't based on necessarily what we're doing. He does take delight in that, but it's for us. He loves to demonstrate his love. So he sees us where we could be. So no matter where you are this morning, I want you to get this message. Christ will meet you there with whatever mess, whatever coldness, and take you to the next place. And he sees where you are going. 
And this is what Gideon says in verse 13. Basically, we haven't experienced this. We know you delivered our forefathers from Egypt and all of this, but now you have abandoned us. Isn't that interesting? Who abandoned who? But that's what they, he felt like. And he was able to say those things. Again, asking questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to give the things that are at the bottom of your heart. It's okay to put them out on the table to God directly, to somebody else. Uh, sometimes we can't answer them just like that. Sometimes they're unanswerable. Sometimes it really is faith and it's confusing. And I honestly will tell you, I really don't know. But uh, he is there. Any question, any comment, he wants to hear. Because he already reads our hearts, so he knows what we're thinking. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Again, this is just, am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He looked at what he had, and he just said, I have nothing. He says, I have no goals. Here I am threshing in a wine press where it's enclosed. It's supposed to thresh on a hill where the wind can pick up and do its thing. No goals, no support, and no confidence again you and i can feel that way often and that's where gideon was and god is saying no you are going to do some great things you can make a difference to your people in romans we're told this is paul writing god has given me a special gift and that is why i have something to say to each one of you don't you think you're better don't think you're better than you really are you must see yourself just as you are Decide what you are by faith in God, in the faith God has given each of us. And the idea is that we do have to come to a place where we're empty of ourselves and realize we can't save ourselves. We can't earn our way to God. We can't undo everything in the past. But uh, God will take us where we're at, and we have to come to the end of ourselves. Sometimes we have conversations about faith. Someone says they're good enough. They're a good person. And yeah, they're probably a good person, but they're not a sin-free person. All of us have that nature, that condition. That's why our world is in the condition it's at. Just imagine if people loved God and loved others. Just imagine if people loved others as yourself. All those conflicts across the globe would stop. All that stuff would stop. And, uh, you know, we say, wow, yeah, they need to do that. We own a part of that also. We need to love others as ourselves. And so we come to the end of ourselves, and we know that God can only do that in and through us. If you're full of yourself, there's no room to be full of God. And that's true for the person who hasn't said yes to Christ, who's still kicking the tires. And it's absolutely true for the person that has said yes to him. That doesn't mean he's unsaved, doesn't mean he doesn't know Lakeland, unadopted, all that, but it does mean you and I can become full, so full of ourself, our self-righteousness, our goals, our direction, that there's no room for God to actually function. And uh, we live in this tension between that, between thinking I'm too not good enough, I'm low, I gotta wait, so think I'm too good. But God begins wherever you are but doesn't want you to stay where you are. And that's not because he wants to love you more in your new state of being. 
he knows that where you and I are needs to grow. So he takes us where we're at and then helps us go to the next place in life in our growing relationship with him. Also, a part of this we're going to see with Gideon is that when it comes to expressing faith, expressing service, it always begins at home. Faith in ministry should always start at home. In other words, you've got to live your faith at home, in your closest relationships. I tell you, it's easy for me to turn on the spirituality and niceness when I'm outside of the home. Especially when the kids were younger, I had to make sure I kept it on at home. My first ministry was at home, not outside the four walls of my home. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, church world that much or you, you haven't thought about this in a while, ministry is a word sometimes we throw around. I got a definition in there. I, I love gotquestions.org. Uh, most of the time, they're pretty much on target. So if you type that in, you can type any question, and they just have all kinds of answers and discussion. And they say ministry is from the Greek word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, meaning to serve meaning to serve as a slave. That doesn't sound fun, but that's what ministry is. In the New Testament, ministry seen, is seen as a service to God and to other people in his name. Jesus provided the pattern for Christian ministry. He came not to receive service, but to give it. And we're called to do that. We need to understand it's, not what, it's what you are, not what you do. If you've said yes to Christ, you are a minister, you are a server, you are a server according to that definition, and again, it's not something you just kind of like do on the side, it's, it's who you are, and as we grow, we learn, we, we don't even have to really know who we are, we kind of know who we are already, you just use who you are and then do it to serve other people, and we see this happens in, uh, in Gideon's life. I'm not going to read through all these verses, but uh, Gideon's first thing uh, God, God wants Gideon to do is to tear down this worship center to this uh, pagan god. And I could go through all the horrible stuff they do. We talked a little bit about that with Jezebel a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And he wants them to take it down, get rid of it, uh, turn it into a god um, altar. And uh, he is just going, whoa, what am I going to do? So he does it. He takes 10 of his servants. As, as and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. This was huge for him to do this. And uh, he's, he's smart and fearful. We're going to see how that unfolds as we move along, but he definitely goes in the right direction. And see, we see he's got to clean up his household first, and it's amazing his father responds to this later on, when they all want to get him, all the worshipers uh, want to get after him. He says, well, let that, let that God take care of Gideon because he's a God and leave him alone. And it seems like Gideon's work touched his father's heart also. So it starts in home. So when we think about outside and we think about pointing to Christ, it needs to start at home. Also, we're going to see that faith won't drive out fear. Faith overcomes fear little different. Uh, you and I can live with an awareness, a concern, maybe even what we'd say fear, but when you and I have faith, it doesn't like make that non-exist. 
most of the time in our life, but it overcomes it. We can travel through it. We have courage. It, it doesn't take courage to go do something when there's no fear. It's that courage is, is pushing through, pushing over, overcoming that fear. And we see uh, Gideon doing this. Uh, again, uh, Gideon uh, is now going to get rid of, vanquish all these invaders. So the horn is blown. Everyone comes along. The Spirit of the Lord uh, comes on Gideon. He blows a trumpet. He summons everybody. And they all get up and see what's going on. And they all get together. And uh, they're getting ready. And so he gets them all together. And what's interesting is there's, there's I think, it's 30,000, 35,000 gathered together. And uh, they're still outnumbered. But uh, God doesn't want them to go in a lot of strength. God wants to make sure there's enough room for him to do what he needs to do so the people don't walk away going, that was all us. And we can see that one plus God equals an overwhelming force. Wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, it doesn't mean we need to, we're stupid and we go do something crazy, but when God is leading us and all the things don't add up to a victory, one plus God equals an overwhelming force. And we can see this kind of thing happening all throughout history, throughout the scriptures and in life, where one person has a vision and just goes after it and overturns everything. They, they, they didn't think that that person's passion could, could change anything. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me and they couldn't do that. So God has them break it down, break it down. You can read the story and he gets down to three groups of a hundred against over a hundred thousand. There's a circle around the camp torches and clay pots and at the right signal they're to break those clay pots let the torches be shown and the Midianites and the invaders go crazy and they end up fighting themselves killing themselves and then the rest of the Israelites chase them and again this is just unbelievable but they just freaked out they saw all these torches they just saw 300 torches heard the clay pots breaking and it just moved them they were gone so we look at Gideon and you go wow and Gideon's but Gideon was just a regular guy he was a guy hiding in a wine press and we have to see that no matter who you and I are you can make a difference wherever you are when you take your faith your growing faith in your life you can do that that can be a part of who you are uh, all of us are called to that. God takes us where we are and wants us to bring us to another place. Another place that we'll be completely delighted by getting there. Sometimes they say that's what a coach does. Coach takes a bunch of uh, players and gets them to do things they don't really want to do. And then finally when he gets them to do it, they're happy they did it and they're happy that they're in a new place in life. And the same is true with us as Christ followers. Now, one thing that uh, is sad about the, the Gideon story, and it, it just really breaks my heart, is we're going to see at the end that the next generation messes it up. And we see that uh, Gideon uh, passes on a, a religious system instead of a relationship. And when that happens, it doesn't stick. 
as families, grandparents, as people influencing younger kids, we don't want to pass along a religious system because that won't stick. We want to make sure they understand a relationship with God. And at first glance, Gideon's the victor. They all want to make him like the king in charge and rule over us and all this kind of thing. And his response is really good. Uh, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. You, your sons, your grandsons, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Good answer. Great answer. But then Gideon does this weird thing. He requests an earring from everybody, makes this little ephod. It was like a thing you kind of got him before, and it was like, a point to call upon God, and he does that, and that becomes the center of all these people's worship. And so you go, Gideon, Gideon, you had the right answer, but then you tried to pass a religious system, not a relationship, on to your family, on to the people. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, Having a form of godliness, they go on pretending to be devoted to God, but denying, it by, denying its power by refusing to let that devotion change the way they live. Stay away from these people. Paul is warning Timothy to stay away from the person that uh, knows a lot but doesn't integrate it into their life. He's saying stay away from those people. Don't join a religious thing. Don't join an organization. Join God in relationship with him. And then follow him and allow that devotion to change the way you and I live. And again, I'm on vacation. I have to say to God, I say, I, well, he's probably saying it to me and I'm responding. Where is my next area of stand? Christ follower for over 50 years. I know I'm not that old. I'm still always young. But uh, I'll be laughing. I don't I don't like that. But anyway, but uh, what's the next step for me? Do I just coast? Where do I grow? And, and where do I need to stick my big toe in a new area of faith and, 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 and take that step? And a lot of that stuff, for those of us who have grown up and grown in faith and have been a Christ follower for a long time, a lot of those things are just matters of the heart. Sometimes those things uh, will affect me on the inside, and you won't even see it on the outside. Because those of us who have been Christ followers for a little while can kind of go through the motions whether our heart's engaged or not. Now, well, maybe no, you can't, but I can. I can step in and act like a Christian's supposed to act, and my heart's in a completely different place. So the work has to be done in my heart as I grow. So where are those areas of stand? Parents, un grandparents, understand this. Relying on God's rules is as bad as rejecting God's rules. If you rely on God's rules, like that what is what makes me who I am, that makes me a wonderful Christ follower, a good person, that's as bad as rejecting them because you're really rejecting the whole thing that you and I can't do it on our own. We can't overcome the human condition by ourselves. We need God in our life. We need God's salvation, God working with us. So 
and, and that's somewhat what we see. We've seen, we, we wonder sometimes, we talked about this in, in uh, the seven series, why we see churches that are empty now, not churches anymore. And some of it is the, is the folks unwillingly tried to pass on rules without relationship, and that will only carry someone so far. And eventually someone wakes up and goes, why am I doing this? I'm just following a rule. So we want people to follow God and have a relationship with him. So the question is this, or the bottom line is, God will meet you where you are today, right in this moment, and offers to take you where you need to be tomorrow. Will you accept where he wants to take you tomorrow? Or will you put it off and the summer will be over, then it will be fall, then it will be like 50 degrees, it will be like, then there'll be snow, and I'll be like, ah, and you'll be like, ooh. Will have anything changed? Will our tomorrow have been any different than August 14th, 2022? God is meeting you where you are. If you need to begin a relationship with Christ, if you need to say yes to him, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you need to do that, this could be the day. He'll meet you where you are. No matter what kind of junk is in your life or no matter how good you've done it, but he wants to take you to a new tomorrow, and he wants to do that right now. Let's please pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Gideon. I feel like we just kind of like flew over it. God, I thank you that it shows you that you put Gideon where he's at, a weak man, weak of faith, hiding out, and you turn him into a difference maker. But not a perfect difference maker, because none of us are perfect. Lord, help us to see where we are in relationship to you in this moment. And Father, would we accept your hand and move into tomorrow in the way that you'd have us to do that. We thank you that you're patient with us. We ask for forgiveness for the times that uh, uh, we, in a sense, uh, use up your patience. Not that we really do use up your patience, but we take it for granted and bide our time where we should be changing now. God, fill that in our hearts. Do that out of relationship, not just goodwill. In Jesus' name.